Welcome to Hope Anchors. I'm Johnny. And I'm Sean. And together we want to share the hope that anchors the very core of who we are to all that Jesus is. In Hebrews 6.19 we read, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul firm and secure. Well, we are finishing up a series that's simply called I Am, and it really covers these seven statements that Jesus makes about himself in the Gospel of John. You know, you got these four biographies on Jesus' life, death, resurrection from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's within those pages that John records Jesus saying this about himself. And so, you know, we've been saying really at the outset of this, that if you're investigating, if you're questioning, if you're uh, maybe even doubting, you know, who Jesus is, what he said, what he did, th- this is a, a really good place to start just to, that you would actually just simply hear it from Jesus himself, who he says he is. And so, This week, we find ourselves in John chapter 11, where Jesus says that he is the resurrection and the life. And we're actually going to dive into that context um, in a little bit. But I just wanted to reiterate some of the things. And just to remind you that, that these are conversations that Sean and I do after a Sunday morning message. We just kind of continue the conversation. And sometimes we'll go deeper into what was said on a Sunday, or maybe we'll go in a different direction. And and we're actually going to go in a little bit of a different direction uh, today because we're going to go into the context of John 11 and and how Jesus, you know, had heard about a good friend of his passing away and that he's going to go there and, and that uh, there's going to be an, an incredibly miraculous outcome to what happens in this context. But we used that I am statement, I am the resurrection and the life to, to really springboard the truth that we, uh, as followers of Jesus, recognize at Easter that that Jesus isn't dead, he's alive. And uh, a lot of times we will uh, say to ourselves, say to each other, he is risen. He is, he is risen, risen indeed. There it is. And uh, so, you know, we've, and what we ended up doing with this is one of the proofs of the resurrection of Jesus is that we're here today. Like, well, okay, what is what difference does that make? Well, and it's a reason why we are here today. You know, we obviously you have uh, different religions, different philosophies that are out there that people follow and that people believe, that kind of thing. But the reason why we're here today isn't just because something was written about Jesus' life. Something was written about Jesus' life because something happened with Jesus. Uh, we we ha- there's an event that took place because there was a there was a movement that Jesus started. He was you know calling people to follow him, but that movement died when Jesus died. I mean, his disciples they they scattered. They went back to their line of work. Some of them were commercial fishermen. Uh, you know, others went about their own tasks. And but then something happened where that movement got a rebirth. And that movement got a rebirth because Jesus was actually resurrected. And so for me and for other Jesus followers, one of the proofs of the resurrection is the simple fact that you have multiple eyewitnesses being tortured, persecuted, and dying excruciating deaths, not because of what they believe, but because of what they said they saw. They saw Jesus die die on the cross. They saw him three days later resurrected and, you know, and then they would go on and talk about the different appearances that Jesus had before he um, rose in, in glory to be in the heavenlies with our heavenly father. 
And so what we ended up doing is going through what some of these followers of Jesus went through, why this is important. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says that, you know, if Jesus was never resurrected, then then talking about this is absolutely useless. This is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 14 through 19. You can read that for yourself. But he says, listen, if there was no resurrection, if Jesus was never raised from the dead, then our talking about him is useless, and so is this faith. And, you know, if he says, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we of all people are most to be pitied. You know, it could be that it's quite possible that that you're actually listening to us because you're investigating what it means to follow Jesus. And it could be that maybe for much of your life, you've actually pitied people who followed Jesus because you're like, that's just such a, it's just such nonsense. It's I a sham. I just don't uh, understand I'm, how in the world they can believe that yeah, stuff, you know? And I've heard that. I've following Christ, what a sham that is because it, it couldn't have happened. It didn't happen. And, yeah. and we have this book, and this is the amazing thing, this book, that we live by this Bible has so many prophecies about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and I talked about this a few episodes ago, about how if only six of the things that were prophesied about Jesus in the old Testament, and there are literally, I think it's like over 600 or over, I, no, I'm sorry. I think there's over a thousand prophecies about Jesus in the old Testament and over 600 of them have been fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And this one author said, if only six of those have truly been fulfilled, that is an amazing amount. Mm-hmm. You know, the oddities of somebody writing something down three, four, five, six hundred years earlier, and a single person comes and fulfills those. That's pretty, it's amazing that one individual could do that. Mm-hmm. And it's not like somebody then writes down these things to kind of make it fit mm-hmm. all of those uh, prophecies to make them come true that, oh, well, he kind of did this. Yeah. He kind of did that. No, it was fulfilled. And this resurrection, well, if we really want to talk about the whole crucifixion and how he dies, I go back to Isaiah and you read how yeah, that all works out. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But then the whole resurrection. Okay, folks, if Jesus died and was not resurrected, somebody's doing a really good job of hiding his body for the past 2000 some years. Well, and that just, not just that is how in the world does this, how, how does this get passed on from generation to generation, even from the first generation, because you've got, you've got his, you've got historians outside of the Christian faith who talk about this movement of people who follow Jesus and who, who said that these people believe that Jesus was resurrected and they saw him somewhere. And it's called heaven is where Jesus is sitting. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the resurrection. Physically, bodily. I mean, uh, for, for people to have this eyewitness account of him showing up later on with the wounds in his hands, they, they can describe the wounds in his, in his arms, in his side, his feet. It's not like it's, uh, I, I'm sorry, I just, I don't believe people have made this up and just have that people are so gullible they're going to believe this just because, or they're going to make a story up and like the, these 12 guys got together and say, hey, let's just tell everybody that it really happened. Right. Somebody's going to break somewhere. And then to die for that. Absolutely. Then to actually die, take that to the grave and say, you know what? No, we're going to keep this all the way to our death. Yeah. And I, I just, I find that just so unbelievable 
that somebody would be willing to die for a lie. Yeah. So, you know, just by way of reminder, all of our Sunday morning messages are also on this podcast at Hope Anchors. And and so I don't want to go too deeply into something that was just said this past Sunday. But if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, I'd encourage you to do so. But let me just reiterate something. So these are just a few of the followers of Jesus and what they went through. That you've got Peter and Paul who were, um, you've got Paul who was beheaded and Peter who was crucified upside down at his own request because he didn't feel he was worthy to die in the same way that Jesus did. But both of them were martyred in 66 AD. Oh, well, and even before before you go on to, to Andrew and, and so on, let's talk about Paul for just a second. <laughs> Here's a guy that was persecuting yeah. people that believed in Jesus in the way and then he turns right. He gets he, he gets awoke. He gets uh, his 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 life is transformed, and he becomes a follower of Jesus and becomes one of the greatest spokespersons, spokespersons yeah. for Jesus. Yeah, and he goes and 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 is willing to be killed. Oh, and, and for this, you read his letters, and he he'll talk he'll he'll talk to to people who's who's reading his letters about you know how he was stoned and whipped and, you know, just, just all of the torture that he went through as a result of what he believed and what he saw. And his eyewitness account is from a different point of view yeah. because he sat on, you know, as Saul, yeah. the things that he did as Saul to almost annihilate, do the persecution annihilate this movement. Uh, yeah. of Jesus even. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he sees, he has seen this from both sides. Yeah. I just find that fascinating when we talk about what Peter said. He's not willing to be, he's not worthy of being crucified the way Jesus was. So he had to be crucified upside down. Yeah. And then Paul, you know, going through what he had to. Yeah. And so you've got Andrew, who's Peter's brother, who was uh, crucified. Uh, he had, he did ministry in Asia Minor, modern day Turkey, and in Greece. Uh, you've got Thomas. Uh, some have called him Doubting Thomas, yeah. which I don't like that term. I love Thomas. I love Thomas, too. Uh, but uh, people uh, claim that he died when he was pierced with uh, the spears of four soldiers. He um, was preaching as far east as India. Um, and then you've got James, who it's listed. He's James, the son of Alphaeus. The, the first James was actually John's brother, the gospel writer, John's brother, James, uh, who actually died. And we have that as um, something that is shared about in the New Testament, how he was executed by Herod in 44 AD. And then you've got uh, James, another James who, this is where a Jewish historian, Josephus, reported that he was stoned and then clubbed to death. Uh, and then you've got the gospel writer, John, who, it you know, he's actually thought to have died from uh, natural causes of old age. And yet, uh, he was he was persecuted. He was cast into boiling oil and yet survived. <laughs> but he is someone who is said to have lived into his 90s. But part of his persecution was that he was um, sent to the island of Patmos, where, which is where he received the vision of the end times and where he wrote the uh, New Testament New Testament book, Revelation. But the fact is, is that we're here today, not simply because something was written, but because something happened, that there were people who said something happened and they died for it. They were tortured for it. And uh, this is why it's just so important for us to, uh, to to be thinking about this and why it's why it's a reason why I follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Paul and I would encourage you to read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 about our own resurrection because what we're getting at in John chapter 11 isn't so much, even though Jesus does claim this, he, he uh, multiple times will predict his own death mm-hmm. and his own resurrection. But in John 11, he is talking about our resurrection that that we that just as just like what happened with Jesus, that we too who are in Jesus will be resurrected. Uh, Paul will talk in, at length in First Corinthians chapter fifteen about our own resurrection, but then he also refers to it in First Thessalonians chapter four, uh, verses thirteen through eighteen, and, and speak to the fact that we will have a bodily, a physical resurrection that we'll be eating and drinking just as as much as we you know do nowadays. That our life when we are resurrected is just as physical, although we're going to see with brand new spiritual eyes, you know, we'll actually be able to see him face to face. But, you know, we are not we are not um, resurrected to some spiritual existence that there is going to be a very real new heavens and a new earth. We are going to have very real new bodies. And so, you know, what Jesus was speaking about in John chapter 11 speaks to the fact that in him, we will experience life after death. Well, one, there better be a uh, a great banquet because he has promised me a great banquet. <laughs> and yeah. I look forward to that food. But one thing that um, I think is very important to understand, death, you know, when we die, we die for Jesus, we die to Jesus, we die in our sinful ways, and then he gives us life. So that's, we have life through Jesus when we die through sin. Mm-hmm. And the resurrection I mean, it's almost like, you know what, if we die to sin, we do have a resurrected body right here, right now. We have a new way of living. We have a new life in him. Um, and, and the context here is Lazarus has has actually died. But I really want to go, uh, because when you talked about the in First Thessalonians, I love the fact that they don't call it really uh, death, yeah. that they call it sleep, sleeping, yeah. who sleep in death. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we will be risen you know, to him. And I just love that idea of as painful as we may think death is, but how beautiful the resurrection is. Yeah. There's so many times in scripture that talks about it sleeping, you know, it's so he says in uh first Thessalonians chapter four, beginning in verse 13, it says, brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death yeah. so that you don't grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the word, the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. <laughs> For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Mm, that is so beautiful. I, I just, I, I love the the imagery of of just being asleep. Mm. Um, I've had some really good peaceful night sleeps. Mm-hmm. And then just to know that I will be raised up. I mean, you talk about your, 
your dreams will come true to know how to fly uh, <laughs> yeah. in this in Sunday's message, which was, which was kind of funny. Um, Johnny currently flies in his sleep, but he runs into electrical lines. No, so. but I've been getting better. I have not been running into the electrical, electric lines or poles uh, as much. I've been actually practicing, you know, in my sleep. So, so yeah, so we talk, we have Lazarus who has, you know, who his sisters, Martha and Mary mm-hmm. are almost making the claim of, if, if Jesus would have been there earlier, he wouldn't have, wouldn't have died. Yeah. Jesus has healed and, so many people who were sick, who were on their deathbeds. Um, and so they're just believing that shoot, you know, had, had Jesus been there that they, uh, he would have been healed, but instead he, he passed away. I, and I love this imagery here because how many times have we, uh, heard stories or been a part of something if you would have just been here minutes earlier, you could have prevented this. Yeah. You yourself, or and here we have these women who have broken bread with Jesus, that have faith with Jesus, and you know, and Lazarus was a really, really close friend with Jesus. Yeah. Um, because just earlier we have one of my favorite, one of my favorite verses where it says Jesus wept. Mm. I mean, the true feelings that he had about this man. And Jesus simply just tells them, your brother will rise again. Mm. And this is where we get the, you know, in verse 24, yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at at the last day. Mm. And this is where we get our passage from Jesus, uh, verse 25. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Mm. Everyone, everyone. How many times have we told everybody this, that this Jesus, this God that we love, we follow, we want to be like, is for everyone. Everyone. Here he says, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Mm. Do you believe this, Martha? Mm. And she goes on and she agrees and she says, yes. And it's just and it's almost like if you just take Martha's name out of this and put your own name in this, do you believe in this? Hmm. Say, you know, do you know, you think about this, do I truly believe in this? Because if we do believe in this, death has no power. Hmm. Satan has no power. The people that persecute you and persecute us, something that Jesus has promised us that's going to happen has no power whatsoever. If we believe in him, Mm. we will not die. This is the thing that I think most people struggle with. And I think this is where, even when Paul's writing this in 1 Thessalonians, when he talks about those who believe in God that have fallen asleep, but those who don't have no hope. Mm. People that don't believe in him have no hope. When they die, they die. That's it. If you believe in Jesus... You don't die. You just fall asleep and you will be arose again. And is, is that something that you believe in? Yeah. Sean and I have talked about the fact that we want our funerals to be fun. Yes. He wants to, he wants to bring the fun back to funerals, but funerals, funerals. Um, but you know, just that we want, <laughs> I told my girls that, you know, Hey, if, uh, you know, I, I get that you'll have, uh, you know, maybe a time of, of worship and they better be, uh, some wonderful songs and maybe sharing or whatever, but man, have a dance party after that. Yeah. 
Not not on my grave. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I want you to be joyous, not that, you know, <laughs> hey, he's gone. Yeah, let's have a party, you know. But uh, no, it's so true because you need to understand what's next. I mean, there is a next. So why be so, I mean, it's very touching that somebody's going to be, you know, depressed and heartbroken when I'm gone. But understand, we're going to be together again. And that's the joy and yes, there is a time for mourning, and we have Absolutely. that. Absolutely, we're not saying don't mourn because we need to mourn. That's yeah. a part of it. The shortest verse in the but, Bible is right here in John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Yes, and so I I remember using this that passage <laughs> eleven thirty five uh, to speak at my grandma Dorothy's uh, memorial service. It is okay to weep. It is okay to mourn someone's loss because you know when. You know, goodness, my grandma, grandpa, my grandpa Red, my grandma Dorothy, they were just like huge presence in our lives. Just they were really what uh, drew our family together. And my myself, my cousins, we just all still to this day have a really wonderful relationship with each other because of how my grandma, grandpa brought us together. So, you know, absolutely. There are going to be times where, you know, when you when you lose someone, it's a it's a it's a deep loss. But also just remember, you know, the other truth that comes out of this passage, Jesus says about Lazarus, he says, you know, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. This is John eleven 11. I'm going to go there to wake him up. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a tension. Um, you know, we, we do mourn the loss of someone, but you know, when you know that they had a relationship with Jesus, celebrate, uh, the fact to celebrate their lives, but celebrate the fact that, you know, that their death is not going to end in death, as this passage says, that it's going to end to the glory of God. It's going to, that there's a, a new beginning to that end. And, and so to go on into what we talked about and what you kind of led us into on the, your, your message on Easter Sunday was not the traditional Jesus resurrection and everything else. You went into a couple other things about what we should be doing as mm. a, a follower of Christ. And you said, you know, you need to investigate this. Look this up for yourself. Do some research on your own uh, and really ask questions. And, and this is why we talk about Thomas and why we love Thomas so much. To me, uh, I shared with you that I believe it was so wonderful to hear you say this on, during your message. But, uh, you know, he was labeled the doubting Thomas. And it was such a bad thing where I'm like, he's not doing anything different than what the other apostles I mean, mm -hmm. they saw and they were physically able to put their hands in, in Jesus's wounds, but Thomas wasn't with them. Yeah. And so Thomas was like, hey, it's not that I don't trust you guys. It's not that, but you know what? I didn't get to see this. Yeah. I want to see this for myself. He went to proof. And so Jesus was like, okay, hey, look, I'm just going to, you know, but he says here, Thomas, it's almost like, can you imagine if you're sitting there and you're having this conversation and you're telling your buddies, hey, I just wanted to see this for myself. It's not that I don't. And he kind of just stays. And you get this feeling <laughs> of, is, is, he, he there? is he right behind me? <laughs> He's standing right behind me, isn't he? And you go, yeah. yeah, he is. It's like, oh, busted. <laughs> um, but, and Jesus didn't didn't say anything bad about him. He's no. like, here, put for yourself. Yeah. And I loved your comment of, do you really think Thomas put, the, put his hands in there? Yeah. Do you think he really did touch it? Or was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's really you. Yeah. You know, just think about if you were in that position, how you would, what you would do. Mm. Are you more just in awe that the man that you have spent 
the last three years with that you knew had died Mm -hmm. is now right back in your presence again. Just like, and you're able to touch him, feel him. And he's just as real as you and I are to each other right now. Yeah. And don't forget, you know, this same Thomas who just wanted proof that the others had is the same one who went and talked about him in different nations and was, you know, speared to death. So, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta come to the realization that just, you know, Thomas, as well as so many of the others were put to death because of what they said they saw. And this is what he saw. And something that we've always encouraged all of our listeners, almost in every episode, I don't think there's been an episode that we haven't said, investigate for yourself. Yeah. Don't just take our word for this. Investigate. Don't just take these apostles' words for yourself. And I'll tell you, the one person that I think most people don't go and they listen to or have really looked up is the Jewish historian Josephus. Hmm. There are so many things that he writes in his history. You know, If you go and look at his history writings— that talk about Jesus, mm. that talk about these guys. It's like, this isn't from the the way or the the Jesus followers point of view. This yeah. is somebody that was supposed to be discounting. Kind of an outsider. You know, the outsider looking in that said, you know what? There's some true accounts to what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Look at some of that stuff. Uh, and I think that's just really kind of fascinating. Don't just take our word for it. Do your homework. Do your and, research. And, and we would encourage you know, if you believe in Jesus, don't be lazy about your belief, oh, yeah. you know, know why you believe what you believe. But if you don't believe in Jesus, don't be lazy about it either. I would encourage you to ask another Jesus follower about your, your questions. It's possible that they don't know their answer, but, you know, any good Jesus follower is going to say, hey, I'll I'll investigate that with you. Um, you know, express your doubts. Be OK with that. Please be OK with that. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that I really encouraged people to do is to to take a look at the writings of other people who used to doubt. Uh, there's Lee Strobel, who wrote The Case for Christ, as well as The Case for the Resurrection. But he used to be the legal editor of the Chicago Tribune and investigated for two years uh, what his wife believed. Because yep. his wife, he, he was watching his the, the life of his wife change as a result of her relationship with Jesus. And so he, like Thomas, wanted to investigate the proof. And, and if you don't, if you're not a big reader, if you're not a big <laughs> reader, I'm going to tell you right now you the movie. that there is a movie called The Case for Christ. It's yeah. based on this whole thing right here. Uh, it's an hour and 52 minutes long. You can find it <laughs> on pureflix.com. Just let you know. <laughs> and we don't get anything from these people. Nope. But it is an excellent book. But the movie itself is is phenomenal. And, I mean, here you have an atheist who's going out to prove this whole thing is is a lie. Yeah. And then you've got another man uh, by the name of Josh McDowell who used to be agnostic until he was – uh, encouraged to go out and look at the evidence for himself. So he started to do some investigation and all of his investigation led to probably the, oh goodness, I would have to say um, that his book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict has more evidence than you could ever hope. And if you're if you're into that, grab a copy of Evidence That Demands a Verdict. If you would like a shorter version in the sense of that, he also has a book called More Than a Carpenter. Mm. Yeah. And and then, you know what, listen to, uh, and I really like listening to Andy Staley myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I actually subscribe to his podcast mm-hmm. uh, because it's just, it's really kind of neat to, I, to listen to. Yeah. And, and when I've, when I've listened to him, what I love about him is that he reads 
or he reads and reads and reads, but he reads books from atheists and he reads books from um, people who have even fallen away from the faith. I, I love the fact that he reads a variety of viewpoints in order to communicate clearly why he mm-hmm. continues to follow Jesus. And I think that's the important thing right there is you, you have to gather information. It's not to quote famous people or famous authors or other books that you see, but it helps you helps you kind of get your mind in the right spot. What is it that you truly do believe? And, you know, we'll listen to other people in our Bible study. We have 12 different guys in our Bible study and we're all in different walks, uh, part of our walks with God. And, uh, but just by listening, it's like, Oh, I really like what you say, or, mm-hmm. you know, where'd you get this from? And, you know, all of a sudden all this information starts flying from where everybody's getting their resources from. It's all from different people. And you start seeing all the, the head bobbing going up and down. And it's really kind of interesting to gather so many people together to listen to how people interpret so many different things. Mm-hmm. And then it allows you to say, you know what? I really believe this. Mm-hmm. I see where this is coming from. And uh, the Lee Strobel's thing about the case for Christ, I mean, come on. He's trying to disprove. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what some of our, you know, a new a new believer or somebody that's struggling I loved when you said, don't be lazy. Go disprove it. Figure out what it is that you want to disprove and go disprove it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then that way, when you make your argument or you want to have that debate, you have it. And yeah. You can go from there. So I was feeling like there were two invitations that came out of Jesus' own resurrection as, we, as he was with his disciples. The first one was investigate your questions. And I think that's what came to Thomas. But then um, there's a, a great scene in John 21, 12. And so I, I think the first invitation speaks to the head. I think the next invitation speaks to the heart. But in Johnny, John 21, 12 is one of my favorite passages where Jesus invites his <laughs> disciples, come and have breakfast. I love that. But it's, it's really an invitation into relationship that, you know, God wants to have a relationship with you. This isn't just, this isn't religion. It's relationship. Something I've, I've said a, you know, a number of times, but that the fact that Jesus invites us not to a religion, he, he actually invites us to a relationship. And, and the fact is, is that religion is filled with have tos and should do's, but relationship is filled with get tos and want to do's and I'll do because I love you's. And, uh, John 15, 13 through 15 talks about the fact that greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And he says, you're my friends. If you do what I say, if you, if you do what I command, I mean, you're, what you're simply doing is you're, you're listening to Jesus to live like Jesus. And he says, I no longer call you servants. And a lot of times Jesus followers would call themselves, you know, servants of Jesus, that kind of thing. But Jesus goes a little bit deeper. He says, listen, you know, I've called you friends because everything that I learned from my heavenly father, from my father, I've, I've made known to you. And so he calls us into a, a love relationship with him, a best friendship. You know, he, he wants to be BFFs with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's the kind of relationship that he wants to have with you. And relationships, everything. I mean, yeah. we, we've talked about this so many times about that relationship. And, and last week when we talked about religion versus relationship, just that simple love. And, and I was looking back, uh, I was just going back into where Jesus says, you know, now come and have some breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was after when he says this in John 21, 12, this is after the resurrection. This is once again, the guys are back out fishing. They're out there on their own again, doing what they were doing. And Jesus just appears on the beach with them. Hmm. Bring your fishing. 
now let's have some breakfast. I mean, it's so inviting. And and this is a chance. When Jesus does that, it's his chance to really bring Peter back. Uh, this is where he, he gets to asking, you know, do you truly love me? Mm-hmm. And Peter says yes. But this is when you break bread with friends, with people that you care about, you get to have open and honest conversations. Mm-hmm. And when you sit down and you break bread with Jesus— and you start having an open and honest conversation with him, your relationship grows. Scripture becomes more alive, mm-hmm. more true. Mysteries become non-mysteries. They become the truth. And it's just a beautiful way to really enjoy the presence of Christ. What we really hope with this podcast is that you're just, you know, kind of entering into this conversation that Sean and I get to have and is in his basement here down at studio one a, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you know, we are, we're, we're two friends that are just talking about our faith in Jesus and, and uh, talking through some of the scriptures as we've been looking at them. But we really want to encourage you that uh, to make sure that you've got a group of friends that you can talk about life and talk about faith and express your doubts and ask your questions. Even if you are a Jesus follower, you know, I'm sure you've got to have some doubts. I'm sure you've got to have your questions. And it's just always good to be able to have a group of people that you can lean on and that they can lean on you. Yeah. Well, Johnny, I just, before we go here, I want to really uh, talk about, this is the last segment uh, of this series of I Am. And uh, just to kind of give everybody a little brief recap of where we were, we started with, I am the bread of life. Then Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the way, the truth, and life. I am the true vine. I am the resurrection. When you listen to these I ams, it's not Jesus telling you he is Christ, the son of God. Each one of these messages is something in there for you to listen to, to follow. And when you put them all together, the resurrection and the life at the very end is the proof that he is the son of God. Yeah. There is a connection that Jesus is making with how he, with how God revealed himself to Moses that I am the I am, I am that I am. And uh, this, this is just another one of those ways that Jesus makes a statement that he, as he said in John, he and the Father are one. That when you, when you see him, you see the Father. When you see the Father, you see him. And, uh, but make sure that you, in, in taking a look at these I am statements, that there is something that, that's real to us that, is, that reveals Jesus. And so as you continue to dive in deeper for yourself, we hope that those truths come alive to you as well. That is the truth. Yeah. So, hey, thanks for listening to Hope Anchors. Paul wrote in Romans 15, 4, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. And we just have the strongest of desires to give you something to anchor your hope to because we know that this life can be so full of hopelessness and helplessness. But we just want to encourage you to don't give up, to keep looking up, and to keep hope alive. Amen. He is alive.